It's the Neverland Podcast, episode 42, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Don't panic, I brought my towel. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right and stay until morning. Neverland. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. And now, please welcome your host for the podcast. He's the pen. I got pen sword on the pen now! Actually, I got his microphone. You've grown up. You promise never to grow old. Here age relives fond memories of the past. Yeah. His nose got real big. Well, welcome back to Neverland, Benjamin. And now... Your host, Jeremy. Good morning, Neverlanders. Are you ready to go to Disney and beyond? Well, actually, this time we're really going to focus on Disney. But uh, this week, get your pixie out of your pocket because we've got to make a great flight out to Marceline, Missouri for ToonFest. We've been waiting for this and anticipating this for a very long time. I've been waiting to be able to share this with you. I've gone now for five years. This was my fifth year, and it's a whole lot of fun. And for those of you who have never been able to go, this I, I could just could not wait to be able to share this. I have so much fun there. Uh, now, I'm going to have this episode in two different formats. There's the audio format, which you're listening to right now. There will also be a video of this, and both of these are going to be very different. Uh, the one similarity will be Eddie Pickett, which he is a storyboard artist. He has been working on Phineas and Ferb, and he had a great presentation that he gave at ToonFest. I'm going to share the audio here, but there will be video in the video version, which you will want to see because he had a very nice kind of video and slideshow presentation that was just fantastic, that really showed how things go from storyboard to final animation. You're not going to want to miss it. I will put a link to the YouTube video right here on the website where you are finding this episode. And this episode link, of course, I'll be posting it on Facebook. I'll be posting it on Twitter. Feel free to retweet it. I love it when you do that. And also, that will be the link that will take you to the podcast page at NeverlandPodcast.com where you will find that link. It will be on YouTube. Now, as of the time that I am recording this and I'm going to have this uploaded, I'm I'm looking at about 12 hours before the YouTube video is finished getting uploaded. This is why I mainly do an audio show and not a video show, because an hour-long video takes a long time to get uploaded. Uh, boy, I don't know if it's going to make a difference when I get Google Fiber here, or if it's just YouTube has got a lot of traffic during the day. I don't know. But I'm going to get that video up there as fast as I can. And also, speaking of having a video, we're going to have ourselves a little contest. I have a Star Wars-related prize that will be randomly given from a randomly selected winner of the contest. Now, what I need you to do is go and watch that video and see if you can pick who was caught on tape. And after watching the video, anyone who knows the answer, send that answer to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. And I'll, of course... 
randomly choose a correct answer to win the prize. And I will announce it here. Uh, I might give you one week. I might give you two weeks. It depends upon how many actually are able to check this out because I know I'm a little delayed on getting the video out and this podcast itself is going to be a little late. So I might go ahead and give you two weeks to get a chance to watch the video. Uh, Plus, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it is a little bit hidden, and you're going to have to think. I have actually given you a hint, but maybe you didn't notice. But there will be a hint in the show notes, so make sure you look at those show notes and see when I'm talking about the contest if there's anything that gives you a little bit of hint when when you compare it to what you might see in the video. So you're going to have to put your thinking caps on. So I'll give you a couple of weeks before I announce a winner, but once I announce that winner, I will need that person to, of course, send me their address so I can send them out this awesome prize but on the audio version of the show let's go ahead and get started um i've got of course the eddie Pittman audio so you can hear about that uh, we'll also have a restaurant review heather and i sat there in ma Vic's corner cafe also i went to the walt disney hometown museum and i spoke with inez johnson that's actually the mother of Kay mallon who was on the show last week Inez showed me some pictures in the museum and told me some stories of how her husband, Rush, uh, worked together with Walt Disney on the Marceline Project. You'll hear all about it today on the Neverland Podcast. So let's go, Disney and beyond. Okay, so now we're out here at the Marceline Post Office, which is a very special post office, and I'm going to try to get some stamped items for some potential giveaways. But uh, after Walt Disney's death in December of 1966, the citizens of Marceline lobbied the United States Postal Department to issue a commemorative stamp to his honor. Uh, The Postal Department agreed to issue the stamp, and after the issuance of the stamp was announced, Burbank, California, Kansas City, Missouri, Anaheim, California, and Chicago, Illinois vied along with Marceline to be the location of the first day of issuance. So Marceline was chosen to be the location of the issuance ceremonies. And the Disney family and other honored guests arrived for the postage stamp ceremonies on the Santa Fe Railway and uh, Super Chief renamed the Walt Disney Special for this event. Uh, the United States Postal Department originally ordered 120,000 stamps, but the unusual demand for these stamps resulted in total production of 153,000 oh wait, well, that's 153,015,000 Wow, that's a lot of stamps. Uh, I don't think we can buy those stamps in here, but uh, I think we can get a photo, which we'll put up on the website. Good afternoon. We're ready to start. Uh, My name is Paul Fell. I'm a cartoonist from Lincoln, Nebraska, and I was a speaker here many moons ago, and ever since then I've come down to help out the Toon Fest, and I'm on the committee that helps pick the cartoonists who come here to speak. And back in the day, when we first started doing this, I used to have to explain to the cartoonists where Marceline was and what the Toon Fest was all about and what they have to do. And now we have cartoonists calling us saying, when can I come to Marceline? Because the word is out about how much fun they have. Um, Just a couple of things. Um, At the end of this, if you have questions, hold your questions until all the speakers have done their presentations because then what we'll do is put some chairs up here on stage and we'll take questions from the audience. Uh, And then I've also got some general questions that uh, I'll ask you. Uh, Two questions that most cartoonists will not answer. One is how old are you? And the other one is how much money do you make? (laughs) 
we don't want your opinion. Uh, oh yeah, make sure my cell phone is turned off. <laughs> and yours too. Okay, let me find the right introduction. I don't think our next speaker wants to be misintroduced. Now, 
I just uh, announced at Comic-Con this year that I have sold the publishing rights to Red's Planet to Abrams Publishing, and it's going to be published as a graphic novel. There are going to be three graphic novels, starting in the spring of 2016, and I, um, I think that's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Not that I don't know if that was a glitch. Uh, <laughs> but you can read it right now, don't tell my publisher, online for free, redsplanet.com, which is really cool. And, uh, oh, <laughs> oh, hey, I do other things too. As you guys might have heard, I, I'm a storyboard artist. I do uh, most of my work in animation, storyboards. There's some stuff I did for Veggie Tales. Uh, I do. Uh, well, that's something you shouldn't see. Um, some character design work. So most of the stuff I do is in animation. And I've worked on uh, micro feature films like Mulan, Tarzan, Lilo and Stitch. I've worked on uh, franchises like VeggieTales. Yay! And some TV series, 321 Penguins. And of course, most recently, most recently I've been a writer and storyboard artist on Anderson Bird which has won me lots of street cred with uh, uh, children and parents alike. <laughs> Such a fun show, and everywhere I go, people love Phineas and Ferb. Yay. I even got to work on the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special. Have you guys seen this? Woohoo! <laughs> it was great. If you're a Star Wars fan, and if you're a Phineas and Ferb fan, you're going to love this. It's a wonderful story. We don't do a parody of Star Wars. We tell the story that happens behind the scenes that you didn't know about during the original film Star Wars. Some people call it a new poet. But those of us who actually stood in line in 1977 called the movie Star Wars. Um, Phineas and Ferb are Luke Skywalker's next-door neighbors. They work at the moisture farm right next to them. And their story starts to weave in and out of the original movie. And you'll see scenes from the original movie that you'll recognize. And the camera pans down, and hey, there's something happening that you didn't even know was going on. And there's something else cool about me getting to work on Star Wars. And I'm going to show you a little clip here and tell you what it is. Can you believe this? Making us ride a bus pod? They better give us a real rebel fighting job this time, and not just running some more errands. Uh -oh. I mean, how hard is it to deliver socks? I can Yes. I can Oh, what is it, Buford? Huh. Uh, Buford, I'm gonna ask you a question and I want you to think very hard before you answer. Thinking is always time. I know. Here's the thing. If we have Darth Vader's socks, what exactly did we give the commander? I find the lack of socks I now have the distinction of being the only cartoonist having to have voiced Darth Vader. That's, that's me right there. I got the chance to voice Darth Vader in the show, which is a funny story. I, I did the temporary dialogue for, uh, for the show and uh, didn't think anything about it. And uh, about six months later, I got a call from the uh, producer of the show and said, Oh, by the way, we're going to use you as Darth Vader's voice. So that was pretty awesome. 
So since Phineas and Ferb is really the, the big thing that I've worked on that, that everybody knows, and probably the big reason I'm here, because you, you guys know Jason Ferb, I want to tell you a little bit about how we make an episode, or at least what I do as a story artist and a writer. But Phineas and Ferb is somewhat of a unique show that, as a storyboard artist, I also get to write the episode. And there are a couple of different kinds of, well, let me tell you first about Phineas and Ferb. Phineas and Ferb was created by these guys right here. This is Dan Pottenmeyer and Swampy Marsh. And they are the creators of Phineas and Ferb and the executive producer. There are also two voices on the show. Uh, Dan's the voice of uh, Dr. Heinz Schmertz, and Swampy is the voice of Major Monogram. And if you don't know anything about the show, shame on you. The show is really cool. It's a story that it's three storylines that tend to weave in and out of one another and then come together at the end of the show to pay off. And it's the story of Phineas and Ferb, two brothers who, uh, on their summer vacation, every day want to do something really cool. And they're geniuses. They build they roller coasters and rockets to the moon and all kinds of stuff. Their sister Candace, not so crazy about it. She wants to bust them, tell mom what's going on. Mom never gets to see the cool stuff that Phineas and Ferb are making. And while all this is going on, their pet platypus turns out to be a special agent that no one knows about, and he's fighting his nemesis, Dr. Insurance. And it's a crazy story. It's a lot of fun and some brilliant stuff. Um, this is the crew standing outside of the Disney Animation building, the building that Walt built right after um, uh, Snow White on the Burbank lot, which has nothing to do with animation anymore. We don't work at it anymore, but we're having a screening of the Star Wars episode. And yes, that's me back there. You can always spot me um, by my forehead. <laughs> so a little bit about um, the show. There are two kinds of TV shows, TV animation shows. One is scripture, uh, and the other is storyboard-driven. Now, the script-driven show is a show like The Simpsons or My Little Pony, where a team of writers write scripts, and then it's handed to the storyboard artist who develop the visuals of the story based on that script. And there's not really any changes that are made after that in the story. The storyboard-driven show, shows like Adventure Time and Phineas and Ferb, are shows that are written and storyboarded by the same team. So the writers of the show are artists as well. And this is great because this is in the tradition that Walt started when the story artist actually created the story. It's a lot more spontaneous. I, I think the results can be more, um, a lot more dynamic. I think the timing of the shows are better. The executives don't like it as much because it's harder to know what's going to happen and it's a little more expensive. Um, you can obviously have great shows using both. I mean, My Little Pony and uh, The Simpsons are brilliant shows. But uh, Dan Poppenmeyer and, and Swampy Marsh were very adamant about having storyboards for the show. Now, we do have a team of writers. Our writers sit in a room <laughs> and come up with ideas for episodes, and, and they will write a synopsis uh, of an episode. And they will give us a synopsis of a, a small document, maybe uh, two or three pages, that tells us an idea of what an episode is going to, to be about. At this point, 
we're delivered an episode on Monday morning. This is what we're going to uh, try to develop. And um, uh, we try to come up with ideas, and sometimes we might have ideas that would be even funnier. And Dan and Swampy said, hey, if you want to, if something's even funnier, pitch it to us. Maybe we'll go with that idea. So it's always about collaboration. It's about working with uh, the team. And the results are, are a lot of fun. Um, the episode I'm going to be telling you guys about today is an episode I worked on called Live and Let Drive. And uh, it was written by, written supported by myself and my friend Joe Romantia. Now, Live and Let Drive, as you can tell by the title, kind of had a James Bond thing going. It was about Grand Prix racing in a Monte Carlo-like uh, venue, like that we called uh, Monte Villabada. And Perry the Platypus was going to be traveling over city, so we wanted to throw in a lot of elements of the old James Bond films, being James Bond fans. So, of course, uh, Sean Connery was our favorite James Bond, um, and the classic James Bond. So we wanted to get some references in there, the casino, things like that, and also maybe some popular James Bond villains. You want to find gags that kids aren't going to get, obviously, but you grown-ups will get it if you saw it. And it makes us laugh. And that was the biggest thing, is that when we're doing an animated show, we want to make each other laugh. Because there's an honesty that comes through in writing something that you really enjoy. And I think, um, I think that was really what we were striving for. If we could make each other laugh, then we knew we were going in the right direction. So, we even got to throw in some great gags, like Harry the Platypus has a vintage 1963 Olsen Martin. <laughs> Named after James Bond's original Aston Martin. And our writer and friend, Martin Olsen. So, and if you're a fan of Adventure Time, um, if anybody, anybody here watch Adventure Time? Such a funny show. You know the Vampire King? Martin Olsen is the voice of the uh, Vampire King. Uh, and his daughter uh, um, plays the voice of Vanessa and Marceline on Adventure Time. So, Olsen Martin. Aston Martin, Martin Olsen. So the first thing we do is we brainstorm. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of this going on. A lot of brainstorm. Uh, little trivia, there are only three real people in that shot. <laughs> and our first step is we take note cards. And I told you there are three different storylines going on in the show. So what we do is we take those storylines on color-coded note cards so you can always track where the story is going. So I think in this one, and, and this probably isn't from the same episode, but um, you know, the blue might be Perry, the red may be Candace, the green may be Tennessee Ferg, so we can look up on that and what's happening. And these are just story beats, so little gag ideas. And three days after we get our premise, we pitch this to Dan Swampy. And here I am actually pitching a, a story of, of, to a Dan Swampy and some of the other crew. Dan Swampy give us notes. And if you follow Dan on Twitter, you know that a lot of the notes look like this. <laughs> but I, I, I'm assured by Dan that uh, he is actually listening. And uh, since most of my um, English and math papers look like this in school, I believe in So we go into more meetings, we develop more ideas, we pitch ideas, we start working on the storyboards at this point. And um, again, Dan gives us more notes. <laughs> And 
I'm here to share you a very secret video um, of an actual story meeting in progress that some of you may have seen, but um, I just want you to give a feel for what a story meeting looks like. Con los Cigarette 
piece there and her hand reaches down and opens it up and it's chewing gum. And he reaches in, pulls out a piece and sticks it in his mouth. <laughs> oh, a mysterious platypus just in time. I'll go first. He's got a card. Harry looks down at his cards, flips one. <laughs> <laughs> which is French for uh, tic-tac-toe. Because <laughs> French have a word for everything. <laughs> Monsieur Platypus in the tuxedo wins. Pulls him away and he says, What? Oh, lucky try. How about the best good out of toi? <laughs> and, and just then the, the big guy walks into the camp into the shop and says, Monsieur, you pan back in his odd job. You will have to come with me then, no pets allowed to see what? Oh, yeah, he's not my mysterious black person. There's a bee. Oh, you mean the cat? <laughs> yeah, my bad. So that's the scene. <laughs> So we put in a character that we've used before, uh, Agent 00, and uh, 
diminishes the gag a little bit, but um, I think the final uh, works out uh, pretty good. But you'll notice, um, it's, so it's much tighter, but it still works, it's still funny. There's even some funnier gags. I think the bon chance, European for good luck, is a great gag. At this point, we're kind of done, and it gets hacked up. Storyboards are printed out, uh, backgrounds get drawn out, characters get drawn out, and everything and gets shipped overseas to a studio uh, in, in uh, another country. And um, it gets animated there, and it comes back a year later, and we get the final. So what I'm going to show you next is the actual final off of the, the Disney XD uh, video, and you will see what it looks like. you have like caffeine free tea or anything well it wouldn't be that bad in caffeine would it if I have some tea I'll have some unsweetened tea then yeah I don't have any decaf. <laughs> that's okay I have decaf coffee well no no I don't <laughs> that's kind of hard all right thank you okay so we are at Mavic's corner cafe here in Marceline and uh, we're we're being waited on we just ordered our drinks and everything so what are you thinking you're wanting to eat there's a lot of stuff on the menu I don't know um, I saw somebody's taco salad on the way in and it looked good I think I may have tried the taco salad here before um, I usually come here every year this is, so this is my fifth time here this I, I love this little spot it's a very uh, I would say the very mom-and-pop style little cafe yeah, here it is. Taco salad. Taco salad? Yep. Overall. Beef taco salad. Five yep. eighty five, pretty good price too. Yeah. For uh for a good taco salad. That does sound good. Of course uh, they do have a monthly special I'm kinda of looking at it's a BLT and one trip to the salad bar for six eighty five. Uh, of course a BLT, that's not gonna be that filling, I guess, is it? I I don't know. Like, Which I guess I is why that salad the salad bar visit would be good. Yeah. 
Mm. I think I'm going to be happy with this taco salad, though. Look good. That does sound good. Oh, and here's our drinks. Oh, and I only have one. Which is which? What, is yours sweetened? Mine's sweetened and yours is not. Uh-oh. Which one was sweet? This is sweet. This is unsweet. Okay. Thank you. I kind of was thinking that since you put a spoon mm -hmm. in it for me. That's the way I... <laughs> See? She's thinking of me, taking care of me. <laughs> um, you need a minute? Or? Uh, well, how big is the BLT? Is it a pretty good size sandwich? It's just on uh, white bread. Oh, it's just a regular like BLT. Because mm -hmm. I didn't know if I'd be full if between that and a salad bar visit. So... I'm really hungry, so I don't know. I want the beef taco salad. That does sound good. I think I'll have that too. Sour cream? Yes, please. Yes, please. All right. All right. I'll get you some table settings. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So I guess we're not being that adventurous. We're both going to try the same thing. But I was just really hungry, and taco salad sounded good when you said it. Yep. Yep. I guess we should, probably should have asked what all of us in it and see if there's a good description of it. But I guess we'll describe it when you see it. Yeah. Okay. When, when it gets to us, we'll describe it. You're going to have to be a little bit louder. I'm not loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not loud. Okay. Well, she'll make some good yummy sounds if she likes it, right? Okay. I will. Mmm. <laughs> okay. Well, try your tea. How's your tea? That's good. There you go. All right, thank you. So, is that, is that as good a description as we're going to get? Is it's good? Yes. Okay. All right, so the tea is good here then. Well, let me try my tea. I'm going with the unsweetened. And I'm picky about tea, but that's not bad. I think this is the type of tea, though, that I would like a, a sweetener in it, so I'm going to try some sweetener. Mm. Normally, you know, sometimes a good unsweetened tea, you don't put any sweetener in it, but I think I want some. Well, you got to understand, like, when people have sweet tea, it is sweet tea with sugar sweet tea like southern sweet tea so is it with this being as like a smaller small town type of thing is it getting to be more of a sweet tea like that it's sweet enough but i wouldn't say it's like southern sweet it's not like pancake syrup are you wanting it to be that way because there is more sugar here no no I'm, I'm fine with this oh okay all right well i'm going to put some sugar in my tea and then we'll uh we'll uh turn this back on when we get some food here well, so while we're waiting for food, so how, what have you thought of the uh, event so far? You been having fun? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's it's. I, I like the uh, symposium. The um. Oh, I forget what his name was. Eddie Pittman. Eddie Pittman. Yeah, Eddie Pittman. I just was thinking Phineas and Ferb guy, but that's that's not proper. So. Yeah. And we I didn't know that he'd worked on Mulan and Lilo and Stitch and yeah, even Veggie well, Tales. I liked that. Well, so, and that's it's nice to have. Um, people who have worked with the Disney company to come to Disney's hometown, you know, to, pre to present. So that's, I think that's nice. Yeah, and as we were leaving, uh, the, um, the guy who introduced him came out and says, like, normally you'd have to go to a Comic-Con to see some things like this. So it's really fun to have, a, you know, a small town and all these cartoonists really want to come out and, and share with us. So it's really kind of fun. Uh, although they, sometimes I have not heard of the cartoon they've done, but that doesn't mean they don't put on a good program. We probably had stood in there still, except for I really wanted some food and I want to go to the museum, so I don't always get to see everybody. Yeah. Although I think I want to go back for Guy Gilchrist, because he does like a lot of neat stuff too. So. Yes, I concur. <laughs> okay. So what did you think of the parade? Was it great? Tell us about the parade. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, oh, hey. 
we we already got already ordered and everything. Thank you though. Waitress round two. Yes, uh, that's that's good though. Yeah, know. they take care of you in here. Oh, yeah. Um. So the I thought the parade was a little bit longer than in years past. I you know they had I think four bands, four four school bands that came and um, performed, and uh, I thought they did really good. Um, Personally, like Buckland was a little bit small, but I liked them probably the best because they were small, you know, small and mighty. So, yeah, so you get a lot of the small towns come around here, and so you have these little small bands that you know maybe have a maximum of 20 kids, maybe. Yeah. So it's really kind of fun to see, and uh, especially as watching the Marceline local band, they did the kind of like their little halftime show or something a little bit there, kind of did a little maneuvers, yeah. so which was fun. So those listening to the audio, that's what you didn't hear. But if you want to see it, go to our video feed. See what I did there? Uh, yeah. Um, and then, like, of course, the little, the little kids, all the little girls dress up as princesses. And they even have, like, um, the little pirate ship. And then they call it, like, the Muddy Pearl. Yeah, the Muddy Pearl. The Muddy Pearl. Which was kind of cute. So that was, that was adorable. And then we went and we looked at some of the booths and saw a lot of different kind of neat jewelry. Even uh, one booth who... She was using a lot of household items, like uh, forks and spoons and silver pieces, and making wind chimes, which doesn't sound that interesting if you if you just tell me I made it out of forks and spoons. But it was really cool how she put it together, and she was hanging from like an old. Um, well, there was there was a variety of things. Like one of them, I think, was like a, a like a little teapot or um, like a neat little uh, box. Just just you know like. It seems like ordinary trinkety items, but you know, put together as a wind chime and in the correct combination, it, it was very nice, very cute. Yeah, we even found a, uh, a Disney focused travel agent there, um, which you know, sorry Jesse, there was a different agent, but I didn't, I didn't have her on the show. She has a lot of really great information. It was a fun to talk to her, and uh, I got to see the magic bands that everybody's been talking about in other shows. And I've got to say, they uh, they're weightier than I thought they'd be, so that, that they don't feel like they'd be that comfortable to wear. Well, she said those were last year's, so yeah. maybe they changed the design from last year to this year. I don't know. She didn't say, but they, she did mention that those were last year's. Yeah, it's probably for, it was from a trip from last year, but I don't think they've changed much since then. Oh, and here is our taco salad. There they are. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, so let's kind of describe this. It's in a very um, flaky kind of bowl. This is really neat. It's a, it's a fried fried bowl. I, I think this is like a wheat. It looks like, is that a wheat bowl kind of thing? No, this would be like a flour tortilla that they deep fry. Well, flour, wheat, you know. Your, stand, your standard, you know. Um, but it's it's homemade, you know. It's not like Taco Bell or something like that. Yeah, it definitely looks better than a Taco Bell. Yeah. Uh, so far, as we can see in there, is there's uh, a lot of shredded cheese and some black olives sitting on top. We got a little container of uh, sour cream and a little container of sauce. Um, you can have my olives. Um, well, they're all over your thing. I don't know how you're going to transport transport them to me. One, and she's handling all of the food and giving it to me. Have you washed your hands? Yes. Okay. So now she's transporting all of her olives. I'm going to have a lot of olives now. It's a good thing I like them, but I don't need that many. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Oh, my. Okay, well, let's... Uh, <laughs> we'll uh, she's, she's been transporting these olives over here. I'm, I'm going to pause this thing until uh, we start actually eating it, and we'll talk about what it tastes like. Okay, so I've, I've got my stuff kind of mixing together inside the... Uh, bowl thing they give us. I'm not sure if I'm going to crunch up the the bowl or not uh, to eat it because I mean, they did give us a 
Oh, kind of fast food style paper bowl thing to eat it out of. I suppose it would be good and crunchy to eat it. Of course, you could just kind of break it off and eat it a bit at a time. The sauce smells really, really good. This is good sauce. I haven't taken a bite yet. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to crunch this thing. Smash it. Oh, listen to the crunch. I want to get some of that crunch in here with a bite. Here, my first bite. Mmm. It's very homemade tasting. It doesn't have that, we'll call it the Taco Bell problem. Oh, oh I'm sorry for listeners. I'll edit that out. This Taco Bell has that, I don't know. Has a, Taco Bell has that Taco Bell taste. This is very, very, very homemade. Doesn't have like a weird tasting weird because I'm at a restaurant kind of thing, you know. Doesn't taste like they put additives in it like at a fast food place. It's just real fresh vegetables. Mmm. The shell's so flaky, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Your thoughts? Mm. <laughs> She's articulate, isn't she, folks? And this woman teaches kids. <laughs> I thought I'd at least get a weird look for that. I'd ignore anymore. Mm, well, the, the bowl, it's um, it's almost like a crunchy kind of good biscuit, you know? Like, good description. It's very flaky and like delicate. Yeah. And the taste is it? Is it's like a it's like a good biscuit. With some crunch to it. No broccoli or Well, I'm gonna end this so I can eat it. <laughs> Alright, so now we have finished our taco salad and it's only like what five eighty five for this thing and before tax. And I, I couldn't even finish mine. I'm full. My goodness. Yep. Um, yeah, and back in Kansas City, where we're from, 585 will barely get you a Big Mac, and you're, you're still going to be hungry after you eat it. But this, so this is great. And I like the decor around here. It's got a lot of vintage, uh, like, washing boards and plates and pans and skillets and old bottles. And it's, 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 it sounds like a junk pile, but it's, it's done so tastefully and very vintage, just... Old hometown. It's, it's a small town cafe. I mean, it's a small town cafe. It's got that charm. It's got that, you know, the little memorabilia, you know, and things like that. It's, it's that's just what it is. It's very cute. Yeah, and it's got these neat kind of pictures and some paintings. I think, well, mainly, I guess, photos of, uh, like, the Santa Fe Railroad that has been kind of legendary through here because, you know, Walt used to come out and watch the Santa Fe trains come by. And so it's got all these train pictures and things on the walls. Uh, 
And I mean, this is a great little spot. You, got, you can get a lot of uh, sweets around here. There's the Dusty Miller that Kate told us about last week, which we're not going to get. We're going to go try some ice cream somewhere else. We've had it before, and it's really good. Yeah. You're not really a big fan of malt powder, though, so I don't think you enjoyed it as much. Yeah. Um, I just, the malt powder, but it's good. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's very, very sweet, but yeah, it's the reason why they call it Dusty Miller, really, is because... It's got the malt powder kind of dusted in there, did different things, and not really, not really mixed in to make it into a malt. They just do it as like a flavoring. Uh, so we do recommend it. But yeah, if you ever come out here to Mall Arsalina Toon Fest, it's right here on the corner. It's Malvik's Corner Cafe. It's very good. It's very reasonably priced. I mean, this is some of the best prices I've, you know, that I get to eat this good of a sit-down meal. So, but I come in here every year. Do we have anything to add over there? Yum. Exactly. Okay, but now we're going to move on. We're going to try a few sweet treats, and uh, then we're going to go to the museum. Okay. Okay, so in this... Wait, you're why don't we get out here? Or okay, well, I need, to, I need to take care of this thing here, too. I'll, I'll write it up for you. And you can okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, when Walt Disney came to... He came to dedicate a pool in 56. We still use it today. He came back in 1960 to dedicate our new school. The one he went to was Park School. But of course that was torn down and we built a new Walt Disney School. When he came for that dedication, he gave us that flagpole. That's my husband standing to the right of it and Walt to the left. And that flagpole came from the Squaw Valley Olympics. He, oh, that Kate mentioned something about yes, that. Yeah. He had been chairman of pageantry and sent us the tallest pole, which is still out here in the lawn of our school. He gave us two flags to fly from it. One is the castle flag. Hi there. And this one flew at the top of the very tall pole. Oh and we goodness. said, Walt, we understand, we're thrilled to have this um, Mickey flag, but tell us why is it on an orange background when that's not even a Disney color? And he said, I fly an orange flag over my apartment, over the fire station in Disneyland. Oh my gosh. And I want the flag that flies over my hometown to be the same color. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I ever saw that in here before. Is that new this year? It is new. Okay. It is new. Uh, we have not been able to fly it because it's too fragile. Yeah. D23. Do you know about D23? Yes, I do. I wish I could get out there. Yeah. Come on. They came three years ago. Uh, they were having a stockholders meeting in Kansas City, and 60 of them rented a bus and came down here. They saw our flag, which was just in a box over at the Disney school, that school, because it was too fragile to fly. And they said, we'd love to borrow that flag. We are responsible for a Disney exhibit at the Ronald Reagan Library. Mm, we would love cool. to borrow it. And they borrowed it for a year. And when they sent it back, they had it framed. Wow. We were so grateful because that was very expensive. <laughs> yeah. And a, a good way to preserve it. So when we saw how good that looked, then we framed our castle flag, flag too. And yes, they've just been hanging probably three months. 
Wow. But isn't that a great way to preserve them? Yes. And have them. So now I know what these flags are in the gift shop. I think I am going to have to get some for some prizes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a cool store. I, I'm going to have to keep one myself, though, too. I think. Huh? <laughs> well, actually, um, Walt Disney started coming back in 56. Well, to get the. He left when he was 10. That's he with his mother and little sister Ruth. And when he came back the first time by invitation, the year was 56, and he's 55 years old. That's his brother Roy. Yeah. Well, he, we learned that he had been here several times before, uh, and the man at the Chevrolet garage remembers that he came in 1946 because he remembers seeing this strange man with a big camera on a tripod and that it had a black, a black cover over him and the camera. And that was Walt Disney taking pictures of our Main Street because he was thinking about Disneyland and he wanted there to be some likeness. Yeah. And there really is. Yeah. Yeah, really is. So and We were actually just talking about the Emporium store is still there and I had to yes. get a picture. I said, this is the yeah. Emporium. Yeah. So uh, anyway, when he came back, in 56, the first time, my husband and I had the only house with central air. Now, there, there were a few. Have you heard that story? Yeah, Kate told us. That was funny. Right. I like okay, it. Okay, well, um, so that's how we met them. And, of course, uh, you know that we it took the whole town to get my house ready <laughs> because we had the air but not much else. And uh, when by the time they came, we looked really good thanks to the town. They came back five more times after that first visit. And I did get my own furniture. We didn't have to go through the whole town thing. <laughs> but, you know, they were just awesome, ordinary people. We've laughed a lot about how we thought we had to really have a show for the Disneys. When they came, they brought their wives, Lily and Edna, also. And so when the house sea hadn't changed a lot then. Yeah. Uh, the long porch had been taken off. It had siding, electricity, and running water. And that's Roy and Walt falling in love with it all over again. Well, they wanted to walk over the 45 acres. Have you done that? Not over the 45 acres, but I've been over and uh, been at the, what's left of the tree and okay. seen the rebuilt the farmhouse. Okay. Haven't today yet, but I've done okay. it before. So um, when we walked over the area, he grinned from ear to ear and said, I can't believe my dreaming tree is still living. And we said, well, what's so special? What makes it a dreaming tree? Actually, there were four cottonwood trees on the farm, but he singled this one out. And that's when he told us, I never had to go to the field to help Dad. After Herbert and Raymond ran away, Roy did that. But I was always expected to entertain little sister Ruth and keep her happy and safe from the animals. I brought her out here every day, and he pointed out that a cottonwood tree has millions of little leaves, and that if there's any air stirring at all, it's very restful, and it caused him to daydream, even more than normal. <laughs> brought a blanket, brought his little sister and his pad and pencil. They played belly botany, and I can see Walt and Ruth doing that on the blanket. And he said, I sketched whatever we saw. And I could always count on the rabbits and the squirrels and the field mice every day. And sometimes Bambi walked through, or a fox, or some bigger animal. 
and it made a good story. <laughs> I didn't just sketch all that on one page. I sketched it on four or five. I flipped the pages, and I made up a right good story. Ruth was a dear lady. We knew her till she died at the age of 92. And her response to some of the things that, that Walt had told us were so dear. And she said, well, it was better than a right good story. It was better than if we'd had a television set <laughs> in that day. So the tree became famous, and I'm sure you know that story if yeah. you've talked to Kay. Um, after, on that first trip, after we had been to the farm, he wanted to see the school that he attended. He was very young when he was here. He did not remember his classmates, but Brother Roy did. Brother Roy was eight years older. Wow. And he well remembered his classmates. Uh, actually, we're all volunteers here. Five of our volunteers are descendants of his classmates. Wow. Including that lady at the desk. <laughs> Dorothy <laughs> is her name. So. Um, we had to tell Walt that this was going to be torn down. We'd voted a bond for a new building, and that left eyebrow went up like it always did when he was in deep thought. Well, he said, I can see you need a new school, but when you do that, promise me you'll save the cornerstone. And so here it is. That cornerstone was right there. Promise me you'll save the cornerstone for my Marceline project. And um, we were farmers, and we also worked for the printer. That night at the dinner table, Walt said to my husband, whose name was Rush, I fell in love with the farm all over again today. I'd love to own it. Do you know who owns it? Well, in a little town, we all know everything. <laughs> so yes, we do. And he said, you know, I'd love to own it. You could buy it cheaper than I could being a local farmer. If it ever comes for sale, you buy it, and I'll buy it from you. Yeah, because if they'd have known Walt was after it, they'd have chucked yes. that price up. Just like Florida. Just like in Florida. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what he wanted with that farm was not another park. He just loved living here, and he loved the fact that they were self-sufficient on that little farm. Raised their food, raised mm -hmm. their crops, um, swam in the pond, and that they had a close family, close neighbors, how are the children of tomorrow going to know about that relationship on a farm in the Midwest if we don't restore one? So that was his plan, to restore it. And of course, he died before that happened. And, uh, it, but our daughter lives there. Kay lives there. Oh. Yeah. And so that's where you go to see the tree yeah. and the uh, barn, of course. But this is the pool was the reason why... He came on that very first visit. We still use it today. It takes a lot of patching cement <laughs> every spring. Yeah. But uh, we had a bathing duty contest, and some of our volunteers were in that lineup, and they li still like to talk about their four-inch heels and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all wearing this now. Yeah. But our newspaper, of course, uh, told the story. Everybody was sure excited that they were coming. He premiered the Midwest Great Locomotive Chase in that little theater. He's on the stage. Our children sang the Mickey Mouse Club song to him. And he had a tear in his eye when he said, you kids are so lucky to be growing up in my hometown. These were the best years of my life. Well, he wanted to drive a team of mules, so he sent word ahead of time 
Would that be possible? My dad always talked about those damned old stubborn Missouri mules. <laughs> I was too young to drive them, but I'd like the challenge. This farmer's name is Frank Van Tiger. He lived out east of town. He heard about it, and he said, I want to be the one that does that. Didn't tell us why. He had known their father. Wow. So this was the, he introduced himself to Roy and Walt and said, I knew your dad. I, hauled hedge po I sold and hauled the hedge post in this same Peterbilt wagon, and I helped him build those fences on the farm. Highlight of the day, yeah. without a doubt. So down by the pool, the sign is still there. This is Walt and Lily. Lily remarried after he died, so young. Roy and his wife Edna, our mayor and his wife. He was very laid back. Now this is, this is when Kay met Walt Disney. She was just six years old. And they, of course, were going to stay with us. They always came on the train. We met them coming through that door. And Kay said, in a timid, timid little voice, Mr. Disney, you're staying in our house tonight. Which bedroom are you thinking about sleeping in? And he said, well, Kay, I have no idea. You have to tell me. Hmm. Well, she said, there's a room painted pink, and that would be the best one. <laughs> uh, that was her claim to fame as a little girl. And uh, he gave her a job in Disneyland when she was in college. Uh, now she's the curator of the museum. So she was a committee of one <laughs> that never gave up when he died so young. The rest of us did. Mm. So uh, it's all falling into place. Yeah. If you have one of his autographs on a napkin, a paper napkin, or anything, uh, you can demand $1,000 for it. They're very popular. It's the most popular autograph that collectors are looking for. Uh, I had a collector in my audience the other day, and he said, Ma'am, I'll buy all you have. And I had to tell him that I just had one, and it was a keeper. Yeah. This guy still lives here. He's 70 now. He's fishing on the same bridge that Walt fished on. And Walt Disney walked up and said, Let me show you how to catch a good fish. Can you imagine this little boy with Walt Disney <laughs> Well, he didn't do very well. Yeah. But he made such a big story, we all laughed and clapped about it. This is my late husband, and he's giving Walt a buckeye from our buckeye tree. Um, but it wasn't enough good luck for being a heavy smoker. Sad. <laughs> yeah, when they take the picture, he's about to cough. Yeah. Um, this is the house we lived in at the time. That's Walt in the garage. These are our neighborhood boys, and of course, they're going to the pond to swim, the only place we had. The older one said, Mr. Disney, when can we swim in your pool? We're tired swimming in the muddy pond. Well, he said, right after the, right after the dedication. Why don't you be the first ones to jump in? Oh, cool. And they were. Oh, and there they are. <laughs> that a great story. He, he just was such an awesome, a human man to be the genius he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these are some of the telegrams that went to him and from him. He always came on the train. This is the building where you are now, 102 years old. Everybody in the county would come when Walt Disney was going to oh, be of course. here. Yeah. So, of course, when we were at that school, he wanted to find his desk. 
we had a lot of places to be that day, so we tried to discourage him. And uh, he lifted the left eyebrow and he said, I don't think it'll take me that long. Well, okay. The teachers had all the students clean off the top of their desk uh, and, and the, the teachers were told, the teachers told the students, Mr. Disney's in the building and he's looking for his desk, so clean off the top and stand beside it. Well, you can imagine this young man when Walt Disney found it. No, no one ever made the association that that could have been Walt Disney. They always brought their photographers, and um, when he found it, what he said was, I remember how much trouble I got into when I did this. <laughs> but in recent years, it seems okay. Yeah. Yeah. Our school owns the desk. Uh, they let us have it for tour season. Mm. And in Disney World, you'll find a replica of this because the school loaned it to them in 2001 when Walt would have been 100 years old and gave them permission to make a to make a copy. copy. Yeah. So he get this is my late husband and Walt standing behind that standing beside the flagpole right. that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. He gave us all of our playground equipment was was Disney and we had Disney swings and everything. He gave us a lot of things that our district could not afford, and it's all still in our Walt Disney School. Now, the best gift he gave us are these. We used to be able to send our tourists over to the school, just two blocks east. But of course, now with all the school goings on, you can't do that. Now, apparently, you can peek your head into the window, or look in the window, and see some good yes. pictures in the lobby. I'm going to go yeah. check it out here. That. Ah. That's what you'll see. Okay. And the cases there were where the desk will, when it returns back to school, when we close for the winter, that's the scene you're going to see. Hmm. Yeah. This is our superintendent, Walt, and my husband. I was out of range of the camera. But he was so proud of how they looked, and he had hired his best artist, Bob Moore, to build them. And what he said was, these are one of a kind, and I wanted these to be in my hometown. If it hadn't been for my love of the barnyard animals and enjoying nature those few years on the farm, not altogether sure I would have created the characters. Yeah. And his old movies all had barnyard animals. In yeah. So they are elaborate. They're beautiful, and uh, but well protected and yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely going to go and hit the school and take a look and see what I can see. And here's the Midget Autopia. Yeah, and this happened in '66, the same year he died. But he, you know, he'd been here enough. I think he knew that our the children of Marceline had a pretty slim chance getting all the way to Disneyland in those years. We just didn't travel yeah. like you do today. I have a slim chance of getting there myself sometimes. <laughs> Most of the time, I haven't actually been to Disneyland. I've only been to Walt Disney World once, and that was on somebody else's dime. Well, <laughs> this ride opened when Disneyland opened. Uh, this car, we never put on the ground, so he used it 11 years. That's the wear and tear that came from Disneyland. Wow. But he sent the entire ride. Excuse me. And these cars, we wore out. <laughs> they traveled on that curvy little road, which has a tunnel. Uh, it was amazing how popular they were. We cannot find parts for them. I uh, hope one day we can get it back on track.
but meanwhile they're they're needing lots of dollars spent on them. Yeah. So Walt Disney's coming for the third dedication. He's been here for the pool, the school, now the ride. But in June, our telegram said, I have this hacking cough, not feeling well, and the doctor says I can't make that trip to Missouri. And of course he died in December. Yeah. Yeah. Roy had already retired from the company, but when he went back to visit Walt, Walt, I can just see those eyes, and he said, Roy, you got to promise me you'll come out of retirement and build his new world. Mm -hmm. He's ready to go. So he did that. Two years after Walt died, the stamp was issued right here in our little town. Um, Chicago wanted it. We wanted it. Kansas City and L.A. The government went to Lily and said, where do you think Walt would want his stamp issued? And oh, she said, that little hometown. He loved that place. So it was here. How we got ready for it, I don't know. But you'll see pictures upstairs. People came from everywhere for that stamp dedication. And you know, normally it takes 10 years for a stamp to be issued for a famous person. Only two years for Walt Disney. Well, they still own the farm. And I think I forgot to tell you that Rush bought the farm for Walt like he asked him to. And then when the check came from Walt, it was signed Redlaw, R-E-T-L-A-W. Well, we certainly didn't question it, but we were curious. And that is Walter spelled backwards. <laughs> oh, it is. Uh, another yeah. little entity that Roy and Walt had. Not going through the big company. Yeah. Yeah. So Trying that to was, hide his purchases. Right. That way he doesn't get robbed from people. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, That's funny. Roy is out of retirement. He's busy building Disney World. But you know, it opened in 71. Six months before that opened, Roy called my husband and said, I'm going to get this project done for my brother, just like I promised. But I'm sick. And I can't see that I'll get to that project in Marceline. You were kind enough to help us buy it. We're going to give you first refusal. So we were farmers anyway, and so we bought it, of course, Yeah. to keep something from happening that wouldn't have been good. And our daughter lives there, and that's where you go see the tree in the barn. Mm -hmm. They take absolutely no revenue for opening their farm to the public, uh, but that's where it is. And um, when Walt Disney died, or excuse me, Roy died three months after Disney World opened. Mm -hmm. But we did have the farm, so it's safe and secure. But then nothing happened for like 35 years. When we had a birthday party for Walt Disney in 2001, um, almost canceled it because the date we chose turned out to be 10 days after the terrorist yeah. attack. Yeah and uh, nobody was flying, so nobody was coming. But we had invited the Disney grandchildren. Um, they, we called them. Oh, they said, don't let the terrorists do this to Grandpa's birthday party, we're coming. And they did. And so that gave us the courage to go on. And, yeah. and actually some of them helped us with their personal Disney stock. Mm. So this, bu this building was available but in terrible, terrible condition. None of us in Marceline had the money to buy it, though. 
but when we were so encouraged by the Disney grandchildren thinking it was the thing to do, that we were, we came up with the money, grants and little, yeah. little Disney grandchildren and all of us divvied up. Uh, so we were able to save this building. Um, then Ruth died. All of her life, she had been telling us after Roy and Walt were both gone, uh, I'm a saver, and one day I want my things to be in Marceline. I think the Disney archives have enough. Uh, we had nothing in writing. We didn't expect it. Mm -hmm. When she died, her only son, Ted, his wife, Carol, called and said, come to Portland and get Mother's things. She wants her things to be in Marceline. Wow. So... Kay went with an empty suitcase, thinking there would be documents and letters. Uh, well, there was that and more. <laughs> she said Ted started bringing stuff down out of the closet. Carol was getting it out from under the bed, and there were some little outbuildings. Uh, they went out there, and there was an old television that uh, Uncle Walt had sent them to watch the opening of Disneyland on. And Ted said, do you want that? Yeah, I do. So she came home in a U-Haul truck in <laughs> instead of a suitcase full. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah, so you said you've been here before. And so yes, you've, you've seen come a lot here every year. Yeah, okay. for like, This is my fifth year. Oh, well, bless your heart. Yeah. yeah. And there's always something new. Yeah. What's, so far I've seen now the flag is new. Yeah. So, right. Which I'm going to have to go to the gift shop and grab some more flags. Uh -huh. So. But so thanks for taking the time. Well, you're very welcome. Cool. You're very welcome. And I got a tour of the place before I could run out of time to look at it because you're going to close in 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my wife decided to take a self tour. Well, I'm glad so. that you came in, and I did. You must have told Kay because on the calendar it says Jeremy might want, <laughs> might want to interview. So we were uh, yeah. expecting you. And that was it. That was our fun in Toonfest this year. Well, not everything, because you have to watch the video if you want to see the parade, which was a great... Uh, if you've never seen a small town parade, it is fun. It is nothing like you've ever seen before. We're not talking, you know, the, the Thanksgiving Day Parade, some grandiose thing. This is just hometown pride and fun, and it is just a wonderful, heartwarming thing to watch. But you'll have to go over to our video feed. But once again, a big thanks to Kay Mallins for coming on last week, and then her mother, Inez Johnson, who came on this week and uh, took me around to show me all the photos and tell me some great stories there at the museum. Thanks to all the ladies at the museum and all the people there that put on Toonfest every, everywhere, and I know they're listening. It was rather fun when I got to the museum. Uh, I had one of the ladies there. It's like, oh, you're Jeremy. You're that Neverland guy. I recognize your voice, which was just fun. Uh, I did comment that, well, I'm sorry. My voice doesn't sound better in person than it does over a podcast, <laughs> but uh, it was great fun, and uh, I look forward to it every year, and of course, I'm going back next year. Now, as I mentioned, though, I did bring a prize. Now, you hear me mention here in the show that there's some potential prize things I kind of considered, and there are some things coming. But for this week, as I said before, I do have a prize that is Star Wars related, and I will be picking a winner who knows the answer to who was caught on tape in that video. Email me that answer at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Now, I would also like to give you the typical reminder of all of the ways that you can get a hold of us. 
Remember, of course, you know you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Blueberry. Uh, I guess it's Blueberry, but it's a double R. They kind of have a weird spelling, but you can find those links in the show notes. Also on the website, I will be putting a link to the Blueberry site. Uh, but if you go to the iTunes, Stitcher, or Blueberry site for new for the Neverland podcast, please leave us a rating, leave some comments. Uh, it does help us out, and we do enjoy reading them. Don't forget to interact with me on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. I love hearing from you and i love talking to you and hearing back and also you can do the same at facebook.com slash neverland podcast go and like our facebook page i am also going to set up a neverland podcast group so i can better interact with you so that will be fun so be on the lookout for that i'll make sure i get some links up on the website for that as well also keep an eye out on the website i've put up a new section called news it's basically going to be a blog I don't know how often it'll be updated, uh, but keep an eye on it. Right now, it's got the typical Hello World sample page up, but uh, you know I've done a lot of work and kind of got it linked together, and uh, I could actually put like some extra audio things on there. Who knows what I'll do with it? I just thought, you know what? I should have an extra thing that maybe I can share some interesting news that I hear about during the week. That way, I have more time on the podcast to just share other things. So we'll probably have a bit more news through that news feed than we will have to hear on the show. But of course, you can also subscribe to that by you can put your email into a little section I've set up where you can get an email anytime I update that news feed. I've also set it up to where you can receive an email whenever a new post comes up from the podcast feed. Uh, so there's lots of ways to be able to keep a following along so you always know how to get here at the Neverland. And don't forget to email me podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Love hearing from you. Lots of fun. I like interacting with people on that as well. And don't forget to send your answers to the uh, who was caught on tape. And don't forget also you can leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. Well, that's all we have for this week. Remember to keep your picks in your pocket so you can spread that good attitude to amongst yourself whenever you're having a bad day and share it with your friends when they're having a bad day as well. Share it with your enemies, you know. Maybe if you make your enemies your friends, they won't be your enemies anymore. That's actually something Abraham Lincoln, he's got a quote similar to that. But that's something I've learned from him. So try to make your enemies your friends best you can. Just try to love on people best you can. That is the pixie dust. That is the magic. And come back next week when we will once again go to Disney and beyond. <laughs>